0: I have a great episode for you today on Sunday, May 31st. I'm obviously going to go through the sports news from this past week, but there isn't much, so that won't take that long. I'm going to talk about who I think will win the SEC in college football this year, because this is a predominantly football podcast as you well know, and there isn't much basketball going on right now. Um, I'm going to talk about the top backup QBs in the NFL right now and who I think the best of all the backup QBs is at this moment. Um, I'm also going to do a start bench cut of different NFL wide receivers, which will be between DeAndre Hawkins, Mike Thomas, and Julio Jones. I'm going to debate... The 72-win Bulls versus the 73-win Warriors because we are lost on subjects to go over in the podcast right now. So I'm going to do that debate and kind of compare those two teams and think and say who I think would win, though that's difficult because they both come from very, very different eras when they were playing. I'm going to tell you who I think the top three quarterbacks of all time in the NFL are, and I'm going to end the episode, as always, with a hot take, this time on Steph. Curry. So, stick around. We have a great episode for you here. Um, We hope you enjoy it, and here we go. As always, I'm going to begin the episode with talking about this week's sports news, and there's only really one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about here, and that is that the MLB owners agreed upon a deal that would make, um... The higher up players, salary wise, take massive pay cuts, but have the lower down players who aren't making as much money as the higher players in the MLB, um, not take any cuts at all to help evenly distribute the um, the overall money gained here. And the players obviously are going to are going to go back against this because none of the top players are going to want to do this and then therefore they will just sit out and you can't have these baseball games without having your top players like your Mike Trouts and those players that bring the fans into these stadiums. Though there probably won't be fans. That's not a great, um, statement for right now. But, um, you, these, this is absolutely terrible by the owners because we know that nobody's going to agree upon this, but this just going to keep making the players w- look worse and worse because the players are going to continue to hold out more and more. And I think I kind of talked about this last episode too. But you see here that, um, the MLB owners are only trying to make the players look worse by giving them these terrible deals but forcing them into a corner where they can either sign the deal and get baseball going here but make all those players lose tons of money that they shouldn't be losing. And more than they should be losing because uh, like all the different owners and people don't have to disclose how much money they're going to make. But um, if the players don't sign it, which they shouldn't because it's a terrible deal, then they look bad to all the public because everyone wants baseball to get started back up here and get sport back going. But the players are stopping it. So it's... That's it's terrible that's happening, but that is one of the sports things that is happening this week, and that's mainly the only news that's happening is that the owners agreed upon this deal to um to make the higher up players drop their salary somewhat. There's no other sports news really this week that I won't address later on. There wasn't much actually since my last episode on Friday, so um now as I said we're going to move into our SEC college football preview, though we will end up doing a more in depth one later on. So for this coming season in the SEC, here are the odds to win it. Alabama obviously comes in at number one. You have Georgia and LSU and Florida shortly after them. You take a short drop to get down to Auburn and Texas A&M and then Mississippi State. But after Texas A&M, there's a drastic drop off to Mississippi State, um, which is over like it goes from plus one, uh, plus twelve hundred to plus um, ten that ten uh, ten thousand. So you see that you have your six teams there. Are they're pretty drastically above everyone else, and those teams are fairly agreed upon. You think Alabama's towards the top, obviously, because Alabama will be returning a very solid team, even if they don't have Tua uh, and some of those wide series. But and then you have Georgia coming in after that with Jamie Newman, whom I've talked about here, and I think is going to be absolutely amazing this coming season. You have LSU that just won the national championship. And they'll be returning tons and tons of talent. And then you also have teams like Florida that have tons of talent from last season and are returning their quarterback and a bunch of different players on their roster. Auburn, which has tons of talent, young quarterback. Great team there. And then you also have, um, as I said, Texas A&M, which I don't see actually being as high as all the other teams I was just talking about. I think Texas A&M is going to drop a little ways down, because I don't think Texas A&M's anywhere close to as good as all these other teams here. Now, I think that you can get Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Tennessee up there with both of these teams as top teams. And I think you might even have a chance to see, at some point this season, nine SEC teams ranked. Now, that would be amazing, considering there are only 25 spots in the rankings, obviously. And if you have nine... Of the twenty-five teams, BSEC teams, you're making up almost half of all your teams as just these SEC teams. Yes, I yet I see there's a chance this could happen because I think that um I think that you have a bunch of teams that are very solid. I think obviously Alabama will be ranked the whole year. Georgia will be ranked the whole year. LSU, Florida, Auburn will be ranked the whole year. I'm not sure if I see Texas a and being ranked the whole year, so I'll kind of have to see how that goes. But I think Mississippi State will be ranked for part of the year at some points because they have Mike Leach now, which is new, and they'll have that top passing offense. You'll kind of have to see what happens um, with all that in the SEC and how Mike Leach's offense will work in the SEC. But you could see Mississippi State easily being ranked for part of the season. Um, You could have Tennessee, which is my team because – I'm from Tennessee. Well, I'm not necessarily from Tennessee, but I have a lot of connections to Tennessee here. So that's my team. And I could see Tennessee being ranked for part of the year here because they have a very solid team. They could even go 9-3 and three maybe, um, which would be very good. And they would be ranked for part of the year, so you could see Tennessee ranked. And then you also have Ole Miss, which is much farther down in the odds, and no one really sees them. But I think I see actually a lot of talent on Ole Miss with their quarterback Plumlee returning. They have a lot of different players on that team that's very solid. And I think they'll actually have a chance to be a solid team so that could be ranked for part of the season with a very good offense there at all Miss. So I think you have tons of great teams. But when it comes down to the winner, I kind of now need to go into that. I think that you only have five real teams that can contend to win this conference. Now that's a lot considering a lot of our conferences only have like one or two. But I think you have five teams here that could contend to win the is coming season, and that is Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, and Auburn. Now, I think Auburn's a little lower than those other teams, so we'll kind of knock them out here for a second. And I think Florida's quarterback situation isn't as good as those other teams because Kyle Trask isn't top-notch quarterback, and I think you can knock them out. And then I think LSU with Miles um, Brennan, we don't know how good that is, so you can kind of push them down a little bit too and not have them in that spot. Now you come down to Georgia and Alabama, which will likely be the SEC championship once again, as it's been the last couple of years up till this past season. Um, and I think this will be a very interesting game. I think that Alabama's probably slightly more talented than Georgia, just overall. The Alabama has all the players in the skill positions that are amazing. But I think Georgia's quarterback situation is slightly better than Alabama's as well because I think that Jamie Newman will be a Heisman-winning type quarterback while Alabama's going to be starting either Mac Jones, who I don't think is absolutely amazing, or Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a freshman, though he could be very good sometime later on. And I think that that quarterback situation is kind of why I think Georgia will be the best team in the SEC and will win the SEC this year. Though they're not the ones they are favored to win it, I think I see Jamie Newman being able to get them that win. And I kind of just got to see, though I think Alabama and Georgia both could make the playoffs, I kind of have to judge that a little further. At this moment, I think Georgia will win the SEC this coming season. That's really all I want to do for the SEC right now, because I will go into more depth later in the summer on it. Now I'm going to move into who I think the top backup QBs are for this coming season. Now, as I said, I'm going to shortly talk about who I think the top backup QBs will be for this coming season. I'll kind of go through a top five, and I'll just kind of talk about who I think the top ones are. So, you have notable names like James Winston, who just signed with the Saints this past year, who will be very good this season. You have Andy Dalton, who signed with the Cowboys from the Bengals, having started there and led them to the playoffs recently, and I think he'll be very good this season. I think Tua will end up being a backup to start off the season because Miami won't play him off the bat, and I think he'll, he'll be a very good backup QB, and we'll have to see about him. I think you have Marcus Mariota from Tennessee in Oakland now, Jacoby Brissett, who started a while last season, Case Keenum in Cleveland, Jordan Love in Green Bay, Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, Justin Herbert, and Mitchell Trubisky. Now, I'm not sure if I see one Mitchell Trubisky as a backup quarterback. And I know that's not the opinion of many people. The majority of people think that um <clears throat> the majority of people think that Mitchell Trubisky will lose the starting job to Nick Foles this coming season. I actually don't see that as the case for this season. I think that Mitchell Trubisky will get pushed by Nick Foles, obviously, to do better early on in the year. And I think he will use that pushing from Nick Foles and make himself win the job. And I think, actually, when Mitchell Trubisky gets in, he will contend for a playoff spot in the new seven-seed um, seven system for the NFL. And I can see the Bears making the playoffs, so I think Mitchell Trubisky will actually start, so he's not really in this conversation. So, now, if I had to look at it, I think that overall... The best backup QB in the NFL is, well, it's not drastic by, it's not by like a drastic amount, but it is Jameis Winston, as I started off this whole thing by saying about him. I think that Jameis Winston is a very, 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 very good, uh, very, well, it's interesting to talk about Jameis Winston because he was a very, he's a good quarterback when he's playing, like he's a really good quarterback when he's playing well, but he's an awful quarterback when he's playing bad so there's a very drastic great at some points but awful at other points because he threw 30 interceptions but he also threw 30 touchdowns so you see all the that's the drasticness of what james Winston is and that's kind of why you can see i think he's even though he has this sporadic aspect to him i think he is the most he's the best Backup quarterback in the NFL. He's very close with Andy Dalton, in my opinion, because I think they're both solid. But I think James Winston has more upset than Andy Dalton. I just think Andy Dalton's really a game manager. You kind of see out of him. James Winston could actually lead a team. I think. I think once he gets started with the Saints, he will be very good. Um, in a couple years when he's starting on the Saints, I think Tua also will probably be a top three backup quarterback this season. He'll be very great for the Dolphins this year, but he'll have to develop some. I could see. Um, I think Justin Herbert could start later on, so I'm not sure completely about that. And I also think that Jacoby Brissett's a very underrated backup quarterback for the Colts. So if Phillip Rivers, who's getting fairly old now, has any sort of injury issue or something like that, this year, I think the Colts would be perfectly fine with Jacoby Brissett, as we kind of saw last year with them. So that was kind of my talk about the backup QBs. And I know it wasn't all that in-depth or anything, but I just kind of wanted... I saw a graphic about this, and I kind of wanted to just talk about who I think the best backup QB is, which is Jameis Winston, by a small amount over Andy Dalton, but enough. And, um... Yeah, so now I'm going to shortly move into talking, into doing a start bench cut, which is basically a top three, like in order of a 3 2 1 of three NFL wide receivers. So here we go. Now, I'm going to talk about a start bench cut of DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. Now, these are, in my opinion, the three best NFL wide receivers right now. They're all very, very talented receivers, um, each with respectively solid quarterbacks with Kyler Murray, um, formerly uh, Deshaun Watson for DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan. It always helps to have a... Good starting quarterback with you. It, it always helps to have a good starting quarterback, and that makes a wide receiver much better. But I am um, going to do my start bench cut of these players now, and this is it's basically a just ranking them in order of one, two, three. But here is what I would say: I would start of these players at this moment, Michael Thomas. Now, if it's overall, if it's like an over your career achievement award, that would be Julio Jones because he's set multiple records, and he's been, like, top 10 in receiving yards multiple years uh, in the, like, NFL history. So Julio Jones would get the career achievement part of this. But I think at this moment, Michael Thomas is the best writer in the NFL, and we kind of saw that last season. He set the record for the most catches in a, se- in a single season with, I think it was either 149 or 154. I don't remember exactly. But um, I know that that he at this moment, is producing at the highest level of any receiver. He's putting up thousands of yards every year. I think it was like 1,700 yards or something this past season. I'm not exactly sure. Seventeen, I think it was 1,700 yards and uh, 149 catches, along with seven n- nine touchdowns. So Michael Thomas doesn't have that same touchdown rate that some players like DeAndre Hopkins have. But um I think this his overall game, he's obviously producing at the best rate because he's putting up the most receiving yards and catches in NFL history respectively. So um generally I would start Michael Thomas because I think one he's the youngest and two he's the he's putting the best overall stats, even if he's getting tons of chances in New Orleans with their system right now. Now, I think I would bench Julio Jones, in my opinion because I think Julio Jones is actually one becoming slightly underrated although he is considered a top wide receiver, no one really thinks about him anymore as one of the top receivers cuz he's on a team that's not all that um it, he's not one he's on a team that's not all that absolutely amazing or anything because every year cuz Atlanta's just not all that great when they play they had that one great run in, to the Super Bowl in 2016 and he was amazing for that team when they were there but um I don't think that I think that he's very good. I think he's slightly better than DeAndre Hopkins because he puts up more catches each season, usually and he has better receiving yard stats than DeAndre Hopkins, though he doesn't put more touchdowns. And I think Julio Jones has proved it year by year. He can do this every single year, no matter what his situation is, no matter – and he probably had the worst of the of the quarterbacks that all these guys have had, and he's still put up the best, like, top stats in the NFL each season. I think Julio Jones has done it consistently more than these guys. These guys have kind of just been a couple of years of doing amazing. But and I think that kind of helps him to this spot, and I would choose Julio Jones over DeAndre Hopkins just because I know he will be more reliable when the situation's on the line, and DeAndre Hopkins hasn't really been in that situation yet in his career. And that leaves with the cut for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, DeAndre Hopkins is an absolutely amazing receiver. He has matched very well with De- Deshaun Watson before he was traded to um to Arizona. And I think he'll do very well with Kyler Murray. I think they'll make one of the best overall duos if not the best duo of wide receiver quarterback in the league for this coming season but I think you have you have to consider him in comparison to his other two players he's being compared with and Michael Thomas who's the best overall statistically and Julio Jones who is generally considered by many the most consistent player of all of all the wide receivers and has never had any off the field issues so and never had any problem like that So, and I mean, I'm not saying that DeAndre Hopkins has any problems like that, but it's just not as overall consistent as Julio Jones is, and Julio Jones puts up every week. Now, DeAndre Hopkins does have one thing going for him with consistently putting up the most touchdowns of these three wide receivers per season, but overall, I think that doesn't outweigh the aspect of he hasn't set any single season records like the other two, or at least contested for a single season record, and I think that kind of holds him down from these two, but I would love to have him on any team that I'm rooting for at any time. So that was my start bench cut of DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. I'm now going to move into a small debate about the 72-win Bulls versus the 73-win Warriors and who I think would win, though that's not all that realistic. As I said, now I'm going to shortly debate the 72-win Warriors versus the 70. um not the 72 win bulls versus the 73 win warriors who were respectively in the 1996 season for the bulls I'm pretty sure and the 2015 through 16 season for the um for the warriors so the warrior this warriors team that we're debating here is prior to the Kevin Durant times which was one year prior to them and they didn't end up winning the NBA championship they lost to LeBron James that season giving him his Cleveland title that he was hoping to get and was working to get And that really hurts their um their aspect of having the chance to win this because the Bulls team that won seventy two games also ended up winning the championship in six or less games which they always did so that it it kind of shows that the Bulls left what they needed to be able to win the championship while the Warriors like used it all up in the regular season um in the regular season and did not have the ability to win that championship against Warriors. though they only lost by four points in a Game 7 of the NBA Finals um, at that time. So now I need to compare these two teams in- to each other. Now, it's very difficult to do that because they both come from very different times. The-, the Bulls were in the 90s, which was a lot more of a physical league where people were hitting each other, and the Warriors come from the, the 2000s and the 2010s here, where the league is a lot more shooting based and doesn't have as much physicality. I think that you have a great matchup guard wise cuz you'd have Steph Curry who's not the same as Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time over LeBron James. And I think Steph Curry is a very good player. In fact, I have my hot take at the end of this on Steph Curry that will um that will play into this argument here in a minute. But um I think Steph Curry is an absolutely amazing player overall and I think he will He will always be considered one of the top point guards, if not the top point guard. I think that the Warriors have a chance of winning their NBA championship sometime soon here with their draft pick and Andrew Wiggins and all that talent that they're going to have on that team sometime soon. But if you match these two teams up, you have a smaller guard like Steph Curry who can't guard that well, and he'll shoot really well. He'll be getting tons of threes up, and that'll be good for him. You'll have Michael Jordan here, who obviously will be dominating the game with 30 points per game or so every time. And, um, all that. And then you have the comparisons of, on this Warriors team, you have Clay Thompson, who's the shooter, um, who's Steph Curry's sidekick and a great shooter. You have Draymond Green, who was, at this time, a slightly better player than he is now and was considered one of the top players in the NBA. And he'll be on that team. Then you have Harrison Barnes, among other players on that team, with Andre Iguodala, who's playing better at that time before, on that team as well. So you have a very solid Warriors team, but the Bulls also have three full-on stars in Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, and, um... Scottie Pippen, and Scottie Pippen's the most underrated player of all time in the NBA. So, if I had to compare these teams, I think the Bulls would end up winning this matchup just off of sheer talent over what the Warriors have. The Bulls, as I just said, have three full-on stars, but then they also have all the little pieces that the Warriors had on their team. Michael Jordan would outplay Steph Curry. Uh, Scottie Pippen would outplay um clay thompson and draymond green who are both and were close to as good as him with him being close to a top 10 player of all time in my opinion honestly and i think you would have dennis rodman outplaying players like harrison barnes and, and andre Iguodala, and that's what really would help them they did have other players on that bulls roster who played very well in those times they had players like steve kerr who was a shooter at that time and he played very well too so you have taken to take into- into that part of the aspect. They had great role players on that Bulls roster. I think overall, just because we already saw the Bulls could prove it and make it to the finals at that time, I think that's why they would be able to beat this Warriors team. They had the mentality and the ability to win these games. The Warriors needed to go out and get Kevin Durant to win the finals that they were going to win after this. I know the Warriors did win the finals the previous year, but they couldn't end up doing doing it against the James, who's arguably one of the top two players of all time. So... At this moment I think the seventy two win Bulls are better than the seventy three win Warriors, even though the Warriors had that better record. Just because they had the Bulls had much better stardom and just star power than the Warriors and slightly or at least even depth with that Warriors team. But it's very difficult to compare teams from very different eras if we're in doing something like this. So, now I'm going to move on to a talk about the top three quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion, in the NFL, because there isn't much other sports news to talk about. I'm kind of just going over stuff at this moment. So, here we go. I'm now going to shortly and very quickly talk about who I think the top three Quarterbacks in NFL history are now there are nine names that you really can consider for this with which are Drew Brees, Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers, John Unitas, John Elway, Brett Favre, and the three quarterbacks that I am just about to name in order. And coming in at number three in the NFL's top three quarterbacks of all time would be Joe Montana. Now Joe Montana led the 49ers to multiple Super Bowls. He was a great quarterback when he was there um Steve Young's came after him and many remember Steve Young but Joe Montana was an absolutely amazing quarterback as well. Um I'm probably more memorable than Steve Young, but a great quarterback. And you see that Joe Montana has put up absolutely amazing statistical seasons, but he also proved that he could win too. And I think that really counts for a lot in the NFL at the moment. If you have if you have the ability to win, that gets you a long way. That's kind of how Tom Brady's gone to this point. Though Tom Brady's had great um seasons on um <clears throat> those hombres had great overall like statistical seasons he's much more known as a winner than he is a statistical quarterback and that's kind of what proves you to be the top quarterback of all time so i have joe joe montana in at number three former 49ers quarterback in the 80s mainly who led them to multiple Super Bowls and was a top statistical quarterback at number two and the, ne- the final two quarterbacks are Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And I think they're both very close. I'm obviously biased towards Peyton Manning because he went to Tennessee, and I've been been big Peyton Manning fan for a while. But I have to say that Peyton Manning would be number two on this list and not number one. Because Peyton Manning did not win the same type of Super Bowl amounts that Tom Brady won. Now, Peyton Manning was arguably the greatest statistical quarterback in NFL history, but he didn't have that that big... um. That winning amount that Tom Brady had, Peyton Manning only, only won one Super Bowl. Well, two Super Bowls. Peyton Manning only won two Super Bowls and only made it really to four Super Bowls, if I remember correctly. Two with the Colts and two with the Broncos. Now he is two for two in these Super Bowls, as you see. And four Super Bowls is more than is less than the amount of Super Bowls Tom Brady's even won. But um, I think that. He has to be under Tom Brady just because of the Super Bowl total. Now, he does have technically statistical seasons that were better than Tom Brady. He has more MVPs than Tom Brady, Peyton Manning being probably the greatest MVP-wise quarterback in NFL um, history. But he doesn't have those wins that Tom Brady has, and that's why Tom Brady's number one. Tom Brady, even though he is a top statistical quarterback in many ways, he also has the winning to go with it. He's won six Super Bowls with the Patriots, gone to many Super Bowls overall with them, I think nine Super Bowls overall, um, and he's proven that he's also a winner to go along with being a great statistical quarterback, and he will go down as the greatest quarterback in NFL history until someone else comes along later on. Now, I'm not a big Tom brave fan. I think he's kind of a cheater with the Gate and everything, but you have to give him his praise for what all he's done, sadly, and all those different things that he's done in winning all of those Super Bowls in multiple different decades. So, that would be my top three quarterbacks, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady of all time in the NFL. And now, I'll move on to my hot take, which will end my episode here. And now, as always, I'm going to shortly end with my hot take, which is about Steph Curry in comparison to where ESPN ranked him all time and where I think he should be ranked. Now, ESPN ranked him in the top 15 at about 13. And I can see how many would say that, but I think T- Steph Curry will end up being, if not already, be a top five player of all time. Now, I know that's a very bold claim. You have many amazing players in LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe, Shaq, all of those different players, Larry Bird, all these different players who should be top five but I think Steph is an absolutely amazing shooter and has changed the game in so many ways in his ways to score his ways to pass and all those different things he shoots threes from deeper than anybody else and he was the first person to really turn that type of three-point shooting into a thing and make people like and make kids want to be top point guard shooters from deep and doing all those different things and he's done all that to the game, but I think he's also, he's won three championships, though you could argue he was really helped by Kevin Durant. He did win one prior to Kevin Durant, even getting there in six games against the Cavaliers with the same things that Kevin Durant beat, really. So, you can't say that he only won because of Kevin Durant, because he did it without Kevin Durant at times. So that's not a great argument, and three titles is more than many top players have gotten in their careers. I think his effect on the game with his shooting has really changed a lot of different things that's kind of why I think he would be a top point guard of all time that's kind of why I think he's up there with Magic Johnson as a top point guard of all time now I may be recency biased because I didn't get to watch Magic Johnson or any of these players play in their time like Larry Bird and all these different players but I think that from what I've seen with Steph Curry he is a top five player of all time just in his effect on the game and how he can lead a team he almost won the finals last year basically by himself without Klay Thompson Durant or many other players on that roster at that time, who weren't injured, and you can see how much he does, and the best he is, and he, although he, they ranked him in top 15, I kind of agree with where he is right now, I think, one, he can add on to his career, and get more titles, which I think he will get another title, at least before his career is done, but then I also think that at this moment, he's just changed so much, and that's really why he should be there, and just because he's played so, he's been able to win these titles repeatedly and always be on a top team. He's changed the Warriors from what they were when they drafted him to what they are now. And he's had such a big effect on the history of the NFL and how the NFL, not the NFL, the NBA and how the NBA is now. And it's just, I think that Steph Curry has to be a top five player all time just because of how he's won a lot, but he's also changed how the game is played in many different ways. So... Um, yeah, that's my hot take. And I think Steph Curry should be a top five NBA player of all time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our episode today. Um... We will be having another episode come out next Thursday or Friday, kind of depending on when I record. And uh, although there isn't much sports news right now, I tried to keep it entertaining with different debate topics and things to talk about here. And I hope that um, that you enjoyed this episode. And obviously subscribe uh, follow on spotify we're hoping you get this up on all podcast platforms but we'll try to get it up on apple once it's up on apple um subscribe and hit the like button rate it five stars do all those different things so thank you for listening to this episode come back on thursday or friday to hear another and i hope you enjoyed this thank you